0: Hi, Paul. Hello, sir. Why are you tardy? Uh, sorry. Well, no, I need to know why. Give me a reason, sir. Uh, well, I, I had a. I went I went to the restroom real quick. W- why can't you do that on your own time? Why does it have to be on Tim and I's time? Well. Why, Paul? Answer me!
1: Well, really, it's because my potty time's more important than your time. <laughs> Fair
0: enough. <laughs>
2: Did so I tell you guys the price for a picture with uh, Adam West and Burt Ward is $115?
0: Holy shit.
2: And I think I'm still going to do it.
0: No, I think you have. I, to. I want that picture. I think it's a more. But, you know, it's too bad that they won't be in costume. But Wayne will. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: my wife crocheted me a, uh, a Batman mask. So I have a crocheted Batman mask. That's I told her when she was making it that I wouldn't wear it out in public, but. <laughs> I would wear that
3: every day. I think my price point on that picture would be ten bucks. Kind of like Aaron buying funny books. Five (laughs) bucks. He sent
0: me another email this morning. Oh, did he? (laughs)
3: Yeah. What'd he say?
0: (laughs) He just, are you still
1: interested? Not. (laughs) Five bucks. Five (laughs) bucks. (laughs) Well, what's funny to me is, is he even reading your email? Is he assuming you mean (laughs) 5,000? Like, why is he still giving you the time of day?
0: Well, you know, at first I just figured they were automated responses. But I don't know now. I mean,
3: I'm just kind of like, seriously? I think you should step up your game, Aaron. I think the next one has to be six bucks. (laughs) Just to make you more excited. (laughs) You're
2: the only one that's replied at all?
3: Well, I'm sure. I mean,
0: you know, because it's such a generic address. You know, and people don't call comic books funny books except for us. (laughs) (laughs) Wayne. Tim. You were talking over me there, Paul. What's up with that?
1: I was. Well, I didn't know you were going to jump in there like that.
0: But you know, I, you just need to sense these things. I feel like we're out of sync today.
1: You got to you got to warm the oven first, Aaron.
0: I'm I'm not sure. I, I feel like you're talking about foreplay, and I'm suddenly I'm uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> well, since when?
0: <laughs> hey, Aaron doesn't do foreplay. He goes right to it.
2: <laughs>
3: right. Exactly. <laughs>
1: That's why I talked over him. <laughs>
0: Well, I feel like your situation would be improved if
1: uh, if you had some pudding. Pudding? Pudding.
0: I, don't you feel like that's what's missing from your life right now, Paul? Is pudding?
1: Well, I, I wasn't, but now I do feel that. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 a need you don't even know you have, which is why I'm opening up a new store that's just pudding. If is that going to be like the
1: the new cupcake store?
0: Yeah, it, it's it's going to be. True. It's called Just Pudding. And you know we'll have all your favorites. We'll have the chocolate pudding, your vanilla pudding, your butterscotch pudding. We'll have little pudding parfaits. We'll even have some kind of out there puddings like tapioca. Or is it uh, going to have sugar free puddings? Yes, it'll have it'll have all your favorite sugar free puddings. Sold. And uh, I'll, I'll go. And uh, you know even bread pudding. So
1: you know all kinds of pudding. It's a little disheartening that you can turn my foreplay talking to something so wonderful.
3: Yeah. Nope. <laughs> So what's the over-under for how many assholes come into your pudding store, Aaron, and ask for something other than pudding? The
0: <laughs> well, they'll, they'll get banned for life if this what will happen. Okay. Banned for
1: life. <laughs> Aaron's going to be working behind the counter as the pudding Nazi. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: no pudding, pudding for, you. for you. No pudding I mean, for you.
1: Very strict rules at the pudding yeah. shop.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well, and fr- Just put it. Franch- you heard it here first. Franchise is available now.
1: Oh. Yeah, pay Aaron. And open your own store before the original opens.
3: <laughs> Aaron's trying to buy Pudding.com with the same budget as he's buying FunnyBooks.com. Five bucks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know who else needs pudding? Who? Godzilla. He needs delicious, delicious Tokyo pudding. That's right. That's right. So did you guys see that new uh, that new Godzilla trailer this week?
0: It's a whole lot of Brian Cranston.
2: I have not seen it yet. What? But I don't need to see it because I'm already sold. All they had to say was Godzilla, and I was going to go see it.
1: Yeah. Well, I have concerns about the new trailer.
0: Well, I think there's an important factor that they've decided to leave out of the trailer. Is it Godzilla? Well, Matthew Broderick. Oh. <laughs> I think it's great that Ferris Bueller will not be making an appearance in this Godzilla movie.
1: Yes. Well, or anybody else from that movie. You know, you don't have Hank Azaria. Or, uh, you know, pretty much anyone. It's not directed by Dean Devlin. I had forgotten that Hank Azaria was in that movie. (laughs) Wow. Oh, and, uh, oh my God, the French guy from The Professional. Yeah, uh, that guy. Yeah, Yeah. that guy. Yeah.
2: So, Aaron, pudding.com is taken, but pudding.net, that's still open. What about Just
1: Pudding? (laughs) Just Pudding? Uh huh. Well, while Wayne researches that, so the, the new Godzilla, I think, comes out when? Is it? Uh, it's sometime this summer. Yeah, so thank they, you, Aaron. Damn oh. it! I can't believe it's just pudding. How about that? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I, feel, I feel like we've gone off the rails
0: here Oh, and welcome to Pudding with Aaron and Polly I'm Tapioca <laughs> Hey, I can't believe it's just Pudding is available Awesome, buy it, I'll pay you All back right. <laughs> I'm registering and redirecting to <laughs> idealismadvice.com
1: Temporarily
3: how much people give a shit about Godzilla, Paul, right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Aaron says he, Aaron has Godzilla on, in his office. And Wayne says he's sold on Godzilla. But, you know, so I'm concerned about this new Godzilla film in that, you know, yes, they have some talent behind it. And I I never saw a single episode of Breaking Bad. So for me, Bryan Cranston is still uh, Malcolm in the middle. Yeah, Malcolm's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know, it, but other than that, I mean, it does have a, a really decent cast. Uh, you know, Ken Watanabe is in it. And, Ken Watanabe. Uh, and the, uh, the Olsen sister, Elizabeth Olson, who's, uh, you know, the Olson sister who's not crazy.
2: Yeah, the good Olson
1: sister. Yeah. But, you know, the, the trailer has a heavy emphasis on everything that's not Godzilla. And, you know, my concern about that is that they haven't learned their lesson from the last Godzilla film. Because I don't know if you guys remember this. I, I was actually working at a movie theater when the last Godzilla film came out.
0: And, and to clarify, we're talking about the last American Godzilla. Correct, correct. Yeah, uh, because this.
1: there have been a couple since then. Yeah, I'm sorry. The last American Godzilla film. Um, you know, they they intentionally withheld images or straight-on images of Godzilla because they didn't want people to know what Godzilla looked like until the day the movie came out. And they were rather successful in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is they didn't release any action figures, anything, until the day the movie came out. And, you know, that doesn't work for summer movies. Um, you have to release your figures early. In fact, you know, figures for Captain America and Amazing Spider-Man 2 are already in stores. Yeah. Um, because Well, have been for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the summer, you get one week before the next big movie comes out and your attention is gone. Right. Well, um, and it pushes you know. those
0: toys off the shelf, mm-hmm. you know, and and they, they get, they, they all of a sudden they go out on clearance. <laughs> you yeah, know?
1: Exactly, you know, and I know this new Godzilla film is not intended for kids as much as the other Godzilla film was, um, but it is probably going to be PG-13, and they, they probably are putting a lot of weight behind merchandising. So withholding, uh, for me, withholding the Godzilla money shots is not a smart decision. I The trailer has two seconds of Godzilla in it. And I really would prefer a lot more.
0: Well, and, you know, to sell Godzilla toys, all you have to do is sell a Godzilla figure. I mean, those Godzilla figures will sell themselves. Yeah. You know, but you're right. They need to have those out sooner. And that's going to make people want to go see the movie.
2: Well, I wonder if it's a case of this is an early trailer so they don't have all of the CGI ready for Godzilla. It's only three months away. In that case, they should have a lot of CGI ready for it already. I mean, because I have the fear, since you're saying that he, he was only in a slight part of the trailer, that he's only in a slight part of the movie, that it's going to focus entirely on the humans, and we're not going to see a lot of Godzilla destruction. And I want Godzilla destruction in a Godzilla movie.
1: Well, did any of you guys see Monsters? It's directed by Gareth Edwards, the guy who they got to do this. know, I want to see it, though. I've got it on my Netflix queue. It is a, it's a low-budget film. Um is it giant monsters? Yeah, but you don't really see them. Mm. I hate that. It's kind of like the ending of The Mist, you know, where you okay. kind of see that giant monster in the mist, but not clearly kind of thing.
0: Like Cloverfield, where you never
1: get a good look at it? <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, kind of. I mean, it, 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 it's, 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 it is more about the human experience. It very much focuses yeah. on the human. i was um, saying,
2: isn't it is even shaky cam like Clover?
1: Yeah, but, it, well, it's not found footage, but, you know, it, it's, it's it's low budget, so, yeah, shaky cam. Um, I it, mean, it's, it's a good film. It is a damn good film. But, you know, it's not Pacific Rim monster action. Um, And so, you know, I have a feeling that when you may be onto something, I have a feeling the new Godzilla film, I think we may be waiting 45, 50 minutes in the film before we see Godzilla. Ugh.
2: Yeah, and for, it's like for Cloverfield, I was fine with that because of what it was, and it was something different. But it's not Godzilla. Godzilla is about should be about Godzilla. We want to see him. We want to see him right away,
1: and we want to see him breaking stuff. And, you know, let's be honest here. Godzilla doesn't sell himself. Like, the name Godzilla sells to a select audience. It's not... You know, it, 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 you know it, it'll pull in, the name Godzilla will pull in 50, 60 million automatically, but not much more unless it's a good film. Yeah, especially after the last one. I think it would have pulled more if we hadn't had that last
2: Godzilla movie that was made in the U.S. Exactly. That tarnished uh, Godzilla in the U.S. for I, as far as movies go.
0: I think that what Pacific Rim did, though, is made a space for the big-budget monster film. And I think that, you know, this is the first summer after Pacific Rim. I think that, that the 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 pump is well-primed for a Godzilla film.
1: Well, and Pacific I, Rim was a critical, you know, success, and it was successful with fans, but by all accounts, not really a financial success. You know, it, it broke even, essentially. So, you know, that's like you know, I mean, it doesn't put another penny in my pocket, and I'm going to see it regardless. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, I think – I think they need to uh, step it up, and, and I, I, I get it. People know Breaking Bad, but you know you're you're trying to appeal to thirteen and under. Um, you know, if you're in, a, in a summer movie blockbuster, you're trying to appeal to kids and adults, and kids don't give a shit about Breaking Bad. Oh, you know? well, I, mean, I don't
0: know. I, I think that if you were to talk to Andrew's son, he'd tell you that he was all about Breaking Bad.
1: Well, he'd have to leave the meth lab to talk to you first. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We'll have to get him on the show and see what he thinks about Breaking Bad. (laughs) I
1: like it. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, I I know I sound negative about it, and it's just because I'm noticing similar trends in its marketing that I did in the 2002 Godzilla film.
0: I think I think I, I absolutely agree I think that you know delaying the reveal of Godzilla is a huge mistake. I think that you're much better off just going right to it and showing how awesome Godzilla looks and just showing him you know throwing shit around breaking stuff because that's what you want to see in a Godzilla movie you want to see him stomp the fuck out of whatever town he's romping through
1: Well the good thing is it appears it's hinted at in the trailer anyway it looks like maybe there's more monsters it looks like um, Mothra. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they show something flying in the clouds.
0: Well, I'm hoping for Gamera. There's nothing more terrifying than a flying turtle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) guitars.
2: I I would love to see a Godzilla versus Gamera.
1: Well, I hope it's successful, and I hope it's good. I'm looking forward to it regardless of my concerns, and I'm going to see it opening weekend. Um, So, you know, I I think it's May 18th, something like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, we will, you know. Definitely be talking more about it closer to time. It's a big summer this year. Oh yeah, not as big as next summer, but even though next summer, they, they keep uh, <laughs> delaying films there. So right, well, and so one of last year's biggest hits was Thor: The Dark World. Um, you know, the sequel to the the Thor movie. And uh, Aaron, you picked it up on Blu-ray this week and saw it for the first time. For the first time. I did. That's true. I did. What'd you think?
0: Um. I want to talk about it in two different aspects.
1: We only have time for one, Aaron. Okay,
0: well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the special extended director's cut of Funny books. Gotcha. Um, in terms of story, character, uh, moving things forward in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I thought it was a success. In terms of production, I really had some issues with it. Um, the uh, It was... And you can, you can, you can, you know, you're kind of tipped off on this, you know, Thor the Dark World, but the movie is very dark. And it bugged me how hard it was to see certain things in the movie. Um, You know, I wound up having to adjust my television screen to bring the brightness up so you could see what the hell was going on. And I found that very interesting. interesting that that was not a problem in the theaters at all. Well, and I was wondering about that. I'm wondering if it's just a bad transfer to the Blu-ray. In fact, I went over I, I looked at it on, on you know, two different TVs and my iPad uh, just to see if there was a, an issue. But uh, I, some of it was very challenging to see. And it just it frustrates me. It's one of the things that irritates me about science fiction or genre movies a lot is that they they kind of hide the effects in darkness and uh that, that aspect annoyed me. Um, overall, though, really enjoyed the movie, uh, enjoyed the dynamic between uh, Loki and Thor. Um, though there, there – I thought there was some inconsistency with Odin um, because in, at one point, Odin says, we're just like humans. And then at another point, he says, oh, humans are nothing like us, <laughs> you know. And, and so, you know, he's like, we are not gods. And I'm like, hmm, aren't you kind of,
1: though? <laughs> No aren't they supposedly aliens in this, in the movie Marvel Cinematic Universe though?
0: Yes they are that's what they, that's what they they said in the first Thor movie you know uh-huh. magic is science not not uh, you know some kind of occult thing but which I, I I get but it just bothers me that he talks about the uh, you know we're just like the humans you know we have a finite you know beginning and end and uh, uh, then on the, on the next thing he's like don't waste your time with humans they're not like us. <laughs> you
1: know. Well, you know, Odin's a little bipolar Just like a well, human he, he is inconsistent
0: in his racism That's all I'm saying <laughs> Just like a human <laughs> So, Eric, what did you think of the cameo? The cameo Oh, uh, are we talking about the uh, the Captain America cameo? Yes I thought it was great I uh, That was one of the highlights of the movie for me in the theaters yeah. no, I, I very much enjoyed that um, I thought the stinger was uh, the... The stinger with the soul gem or the infinity gem, I guess is what they're calling it, mm-hmm. um, was kind of lame. Uh, did not care for for the collector. Uh, well,
1: and I will tell you the uh, the director of the film, Alan Taylor, not a big uh-huh. fan of that film of that scene either because he didn't direct it. Ah, Um it, was, well, it just seemed
0: incredibly awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, did, did, did anybody like rehearse prior to this? And it was just a weird ass scene. I didn't care for it. Uh, it should have been a lot
2: cooler, you know? Ooh, what I want to know, Aaron, is did you watch the short on the Blu ray?
0: I haven't watched any of the added features, but I will say, uh, you know, there, there's like 180 extra minutes of, uh, of, uh, you know, bonus features on the Blu ray, which I haven't watched any of those yet. And when you, I got the, uh, the Blu ray, Blu ray 3D digital copy combo, and, uh, the digital copy allows you to choose where you're going to keep your digital copy. Do you want it in the new Disney app or do you want it on Amazon Instant or in Google Play? And I chose Amazon Instant because I, I watch a lot of stuff on, on uh, Amazon Instant. Uh, and they give you an additional hour of exclusive bonus footage hmm. in theirs. Because, yeah, you know, I was like, what? why is this showing 258 minutes? This movie's not that long, but it's their bonus footage that's exclusive to Amazon. Hmm. Which I thought was kind of cool. That was pretty funny. funny. And so I've got somewhere in the order of three hours of bonus footage or, you know, special features that I haven't had time to watch yet. But, uh, you know, I liked it. I just, I thought that the, uh, it just seemed a little dark. And maybe that's an issue with the Blu ray. I don't know.
1: Well, and you know, I, I, there are some really cool Easter eggs that we, we talked a little bit about. But I, I, did you catch the Marauders in the film? I did not. Um, when Loki is locked up, and you know, Thor goes to uh, ask for his help, there are um. some creatures in you know, also in you know, captivity down there, and they are the Marauders, hmm. which is interesting because that's a Mister Sinister thing, right? Um, so, um and then there's a, a scene where uh, a Selvig. You know, uh, Stellan Starsguard. Right. You know, he's talking and he's got like a. You, you know when there's a chalkboard going on yeah. in anything at- related to comics? Right. Um, behind him, he writes, there's something that says, it says The Fault. And I don't know if you remember this, but that was the um, the rift in space time that was formed at the end of War of Kings. Right. And that, you know, that was the entrance to the Cancerverse. Right. So I, that would be pretty cool if they introduced uh, the Cancerverse.
0: I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because it reminds me of you know the the uh, you know big evil power in this movie the ether mm-hmm. and I thought that was a
1: little lame yeah well I mean I guess it's they're trying to give background to the infinity gems because the ether is basically an infinity gem right I think what is the red one is that the the space gem I think no idea and- you're, you're, you're the infinity gem guy you shouldn't, uh, know this. You shouldn't uh, have to be asking me about this. This is true. I really should know it. I think <laughs> the red gem is the power gem. Sorry. Yeah. Reality is yellow. But so you enjoyed the film overall? Overall. Yeah. Yeah, sure did. Um, and,
0: I, you know, i, I got to tell you, Chris Hemsworth is Thor. And that's, I, I mean, he just is Thor. And, you know, if you had asked any of us when we were kids that, you know, that we would get two Thor movies – uh, you know that that are of the caliber that we've gotten. That you know we we'd had this wonderful Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I think you know all of us would would tell you that you're crazy, but uh, I dug it. I dug it. I, I do. I, I will say, I thought the first movie was better. I disagree oh, with you. I, I, and I felt like Tim was going to say something. Yeah.
3: No, I'm, I'm with Paul on this one.
1: <clears throat> I like the second one better. Yeah. Uh, I feel yeah. like it was just a I like the film. second one better as well. So, uh, Aaron, you're wrong. I guess it's the conclusion <laughs> to this conversation. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I mean, why do you feel that way?
0: Well, I, I, I think the reason why I felt that way is that I could see things in the uh, first movie, for one. <laughs> um, you know, I and what bugs me, because I, I, I started watching it for a second time last night, and it's not j- – I, I could see making things so dark in the, quote, dark world of Svartalfheim, but – they made things dark in Asgard, you know, uh, when, you know, they're, they're having their, their revelries at night, um, which, you know, I understand it's dark outside, but they're inside. And I mean, it's just barely lit inside. And oh. I, I don't under, I don't understand that.
2: So yeah. I'm looking forward to one of the rest of us buying the uh, the Blu-ray and watching it to see if we have that same complaint. Because I said that was not a problem in the theater at all. It, I had no problem seeing anything in the theater.
1: Yeah, I did pick up the Blu-ray, and um, luckily I was able to get the the Best Buy Steelbook because I hear they're hard to get now. Um, I'll check it out. I'll, I'll I'll see if I have similar issues with my uh, my picture quality, and it could just be you know it could be director choice. It may not be picture quality at all. At all. You know, I mean the director is one of the the guys who's worked on uh, Game of Thrones, you know he, he's and so I don't. Recall that being a particularly well lit show. Maybe it's no, just his choice. No, you know, you're
3: absolutely
0: right. Uh, Game of Thrones is not a particularly well lit show, and I have that same issue with with them frequently.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean it's definitely different than Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, I don't think I don't think I've seen a Kenneth Branagh film that wasn't well lit, and you know, kind of you know he, he, he betrays himself in that. Kenneth of you know, he he can do films about dark themes, but they're always kind of cheery looking. Yeah. Um, and so you know maybe it's just a different director bringing a different visual style
0: yeah I just would have liked to have seen you know the the way that Asgard was depicted even in daylight was more of a fall sort of light mm-hmm. you know the light was cooler it was not a warmth a, a warm light and I'm sure that you know that was that was a specific director's choice to show you know the approaching dusk of, of Asgard right but uh, I, I just, I, it bothered me. I, I wanted to see more stark contrasts, you know, and the fact that, you know, the earth scenes were shot in London, which is typically, you know, cloudy and foggy, also not particularly bright scenes. So the, yeah. there, was, there was this dimness to the entire movie that just, it was, a, it, was, it was a technical issue for me, and I can separate that out. I just, I want to be able to see stuff. You know, yeah. Particularly when you've got these you know, uh, fantastic characters. I, and I will say I felt like the Warriors 3 and Sif were underutilized.
1: Yeah, you know, I agree with I, that. But I, I mean, I, I felt that way about the first film as well.
0: I agree. And I what I really want to see is more of them. And, you know, uh,
1: what was the actress's name who plays Sif? Jamie Alexander, I think.
0: I, she is fantastic. I, I just – in fact, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just the way they shot her or what,
1: but I found her to be much more dynamic on screen in this film than the previous film. Who is the uh, the good-looking guy in the Warriors 3? You know, the one who's like... Fandral? Fandral. Uh-huh. Um, did you notice that they recast him for this film? Yeah, I did. I was like, that is not the same guy. No, it's
0: Chuck. <laughs> it's Chuck, yeah.
1: Yeah, which is I liked him,
0: awesome. but, you know, different guy. And I will say that one of the things that bugs me about uh, Volstag, not nearly big enough. <laughs> you well, know, and when, when they make the fat jokes about him, it doesn't really land because
1: he's not that big. Maybe they're just shadow, I mean, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, stag is 20 pounds overweight. You're a fatty. Yeah, they, they,
0: You know, the, the Asgardian gods have, uh, you know, some, some body image issues. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so I, 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 will, uh, I will report back after I check mine out. I'll probably check it out this week. Okay. So – There was a big news item this week, and I was kind of surprised, one, that it's happening, and two, that it was a big news item because if anyone gave a crap, it wouldn't have gotten canceled in the first place. NBC is bringing back Heroes for a miniseries um, in a miniseries called Heroes Reborn. Um, And they, they surprisingly, and I think it's, you know, everyone's like, well, how did they hide this from everyone? Because no one knew that it was coming. And I think it's because the fact that you no, know, no one knew have, this was coming. They've been talking about it for a while. Really? I mean, like I think it surprised yeah. a lot of people, but, I mean, they haven't started production on it or anything. It hasn't started filming anyway. Yeah, I was surprised that no
2: one seemed to have heard about it, because I heard about this quite a while ago that they were putting it together. And I'm not surprised that, you know, there's a lot of interest in it, because the first season of Heroes was really well-liked. And it was just the – personally, I think the show died partially because of the writer's strike. The writer's no, strike destroyed the second season, well, and a lot of people didn't come back. And then the actual
0: third season continued to destroy the show and yeah, led let, up to the fourth. Let's own,
1: let let's a play, place blame where it belongs. Jeff Loeb killed that show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, if the writer's strike and the writers really – I mean, that, that show, you're right, was a victim of the writer's strike. But yes, yes I mean, it I was guess. a show
2: about momentum, basically, and it lost all of its momentum with the writer's strike.
1: But at the same time, it only had one good season out of four, right? It was 75% bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right.
0: And, and you know, the, the, it suffered from the same thing that, you know, Paul worries about on Godzilla you know, you're, you're hiding the awesome. You know, the, the, the fact that the, that the team comes together at the end of the first season and you're going to start the second season with the team's all busted apart again. You know, that's that was the problem with that show. Uh, but to see the first
2: season, it was always – because I had somebody I was watching it as it came out instead of after the fact. And I was watching it uh, and talking about it with a friend at work at the time. And the conversation was always, what are they what horrible thing are they going to do to the cheerleader next? Right. Because that was always what they would end the uh, – Every episode was ended on a cliffhanger of some sort, and it was usually something really horrible happening to the cheerleader. Well, they're going to make her sing country and western music <laughs> in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the reasons people are excited about this, one of the reasons I'm excited about this, is that it's not continuing what we had exactly. So there's not, they're not going back to those characters. They're doing something new in that universe with new characters. Yeah. I think that if they were doing the same characters, I wouldn't be as interested in it because they, they basically destroyed the yeah, the franchise.
0: Well, I, I hope that they've learned their lesson that because you know, they had power creep so bad,, because you know, really the first season should just be taken on its own and just pretend that there was no second, third, or fourth season. Because that first season is fantastic, and I love the character of Hero in that season. But, you know, once, they, once some of those guys discover their powers, your show's pretty much over because yeah. their, their power set's so high.
2: The rest of the series seemed to be about how can we kneecap Hero right. and Peter. Right. And it's like, I really like both of their powers, and I like right. both characters. And it just frustrated me as the show went on mm-hmm. because it was one, just one screw over the character after another. Exactly.
0: But you know, I, I think doing it as a miniseries, you know, uh, having this finite number of shows, beginning, middle, and end, I think it's a great idea. I, I, I like that idea. I like the setting. Um, I, so
1: I'll, I'll tune in.
3: How, how long ago did that series go off the air?
1: Ten years, maybe. No, it couldn't have been that long ago, was it? I think I'm. I'm for some reason, I'm thinking 2004. I think you're but, right. But maybe that's when it ended, not when it started. Uh, but yeah, the final episode was 2010.
3: Okay, it just seems like a long time ago for them to restart it.
1: Yeah, it, it, was, it premiered in 2006 and ended in 2010. Well, I'm sure NBC Universal has taken a
0: look around at the. Uh everything that's going on with superhero films and superhero TV shows I mean because it's not just Marvel's agents of Shield anymore you've got you know arrow on the CW with you know a potential flash show and the you know arrows doing fantastic uh, you know they've got something in the hopper that they own I mean that's one of the key things about NBC and heroes is that they own that that's not them licensing it from somebody mm-hmm. they own that property yeah. well, um, and
2: one thing they did very well with with heroes was the tie-in things. They had episodes, you know, separate stories going on their website. Yep. They did comics. They did a lot of, uh, you know, outside of the TV show itself, just promoting it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, it's with twenty-four coming back, also. You know, maybe they just think it's a it's a good time. Twenty-four. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I hate yeah. that fucking show. <laughs> I hate that
0: show. Um, have you seen the previews for the one hundred? I have. I saw, in fact, it
1: was on this week's Yes.
2: I keep trying to send it to record, but it hasn't been uh, close it, back to
0: time yet. Yeah, it's like March 14th or something like that. I, I have to say, I'm, I'm rather intrigued by it. Yeah, I, yeah mean, I mean, it could turn
2: out horrible, but I'm giving it a chance because yeah. it, it looks interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's this new CW science fiction TV series, and it looks kind of like a mixture of, you know, it's got a bit of Hunger Games, it's got a bit of um, Battlestar Galactica, and it's got a bit of... Uh, You know, like um, After Earth in it. It's like a a couple different things, but it looks pretty well done. You know, it looks more – out of the three, it looks like it has a stronger Battlestar Galactica influence.
0: Well, I just love the, okay, we're going to take all of our young, good-looking children and dump them on the planet and see if it's survivable. (laughs)
3: Yeah. <laughs> but, you know,
0: it, it could go the other way it turns into Lord of the Flies, apparently Yeah uh,
1: But it could also go the other way and end up like uh, Did you see the commercial for that Star-Crossed TV series? Oh, well, that looks terrible Which is Alien Nation, but without uh, squishy-headed people Yeah, <laughs> Alien a, Nation in high school Exactly, yeah. you know, it's like the, you know, the aliens came to Earth and they're so different Even though they look just like humans with like tattoos yeah. on their face Right it's uh, it's rather ridiculous.
0: Yeah, no, I you know when I, I saw the the preview for that, and I was just like, you know, it would be so much more interesting if they actually looked like aliens. Yeah, you know, and they don't have to be you know fleshy headed mutant aliens, but you know, come on, you know, make them make them look like a Star Trek alien, give them a wrinkled nose or you know dots on their head or something,
3: Spoon on their head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're about as
1: alien as uh, you know, Edward in Twilight. I mean, right. it's 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 the same formula. Now, Tim. We're gonna talk about this week's arrow, so would you like to step away?
3: God damn it. Okay. Well,
1: <laughs> okay. I think we're safe. Okay. So you oh, know.
3: Spoilers, <laughs> spoilers <story. laughs>
1: We should have had him do it before he left. Uh, so you know, speaking of this week's arrow, uh, this week's episode featured the premiere of the clock king. Yeah. Uh, Tockman, played by Robert Nepper from Prison Break, um, had a, you know a kind of like the first real—I don't know—it it seems like you know this is like the first kind of developing superhero team thing they've got going on with Black Canary and Green Arrow because we got to see them fight together and you know it wasn't just it, it you know it was like a regular case that they just yeah. you know were together on. And I thought that was really well done. We got to see Felicity in workout clothes.
0: I, I, and I knew that Wayne was happy about that when 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 she was sitting there in her spandex. I'm like Wayne is so happy right now. Mm-hmm. I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so glad that they resolved the Laurel Sarah drama. Yeah, and that they got Laurel into an AA meeting because oh my god, how I hated that storyline. Yeah, I, was I ready just for that come
2: day. to hate the character entirely. It's – I liked her in the first season. This season, I've just come to really hate Laurel as a character.
1: See, well, and I liked her at the beginning of the season when she was working with the DA's office right. and chasing down the arrow. I liked that part. Yep. But then she just spiraled out of control way fast.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully we're we're, we're moving into better days because, you know, I, I, I really like the actress. I've just not cared for what they've given her to do.
1: So, well, and I like what they did. In this episode, though, in regards to that storyline, which is the big confrontation with Oliver in the hallway. Right. Well, again,
0: I I did, too. And, you know, demonstrates I am constantly amazed that, you know, Stephen Amell not just another pretty face that he can actually act Mm -hmm. because, I mean, it's really easy to say, oh, well, you know, he's you know, he's a action superstar guy. But when you see that he's actually got some acting chops and he's got some range, that's nice. And I thought that was a really well played scene where he just says, "I'm not chasing you anymore. You know, go buy a drink. I'll buy it. I'll pay for it. You know, uh, I, I dug that scene. I liked that. And you could. And he was just radiating frustration with her,
1: mm-hmm. which was awesome. I mean, you could feel the tension in that scene.
0: Oh no, absolutely, it was fantastic.
2: Uh-huh. I, so, I, uh, I had a holy shit moment in this episode. Like I actually literally said out loud, "Holy shit!" And it was the the last scene of the episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. which I assume we've, we've already said spoilers. So we're going to spoil everything, I right. guess. When I, when he goes in to meet his mom and Slade is there. Yeah. I, uh, I expected Slade to be working in the background the entire season. I didn't think he would actually see him face-to-face until, like, the season finale. Right. So that moment when he actually is face-to-face with him, I, uh, I literally said out loud, holy shit, did mm-hmm. not see that
0: coming at all. Now, here's the thing you know his mom's already fucking Slate. (laughs) Because that's just kind of her move. She bangs all of his
1: villains. So... uh... (laughs) This is a classy episode, Aaron. You're you're a classy guy. Probably true, but still. (laughs) So... (laughs) But yeah, that ending, I was... I kind of saw it coming when she was talking, and she's like, "Oh, hold on a second, I'm in a meeting," and I'm like, "I bet you it's slayed."
0: Yeah, when you realize that you were about when they were, you know, purposefully not showing you the room. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: but I, I, I thought it was cool.
0: Yeah, I, I, just, was, I mean that ending was definitely like,
1: ah. Oh. I love the I,
0: I love the reveal on Sarah's friend. Oh yeah, you know that she got the the picture on the island of the of of the of the girl from the pilot. And, you know, she's been taking care of her, you know, and looking after her. And I I just, I thought that was nicely played. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was great. My wife watched this episode with me, and she hasn't watched
2: quite a few of them. And she made a comment at some point of, uh, you know, what, is Sarah going to be a lesbian? I'm like, no, she's bisexual. You missed it. She hooked (laughs) up with Rajah (laughs) Goulthard. It just looks I got from her as things happened that having missed, like, three or four episodes of the show. Yeah. It was just—it was amusing to just keep shocking her with things that had happened that make complete sense, having seen those episodes. But out of the blue, things like uh, Oliver's mom running for mayor—she's like, who would vote for her?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is a bit of stretch.
2: Yeah, Yeah. they—they
3: dealt with all that. I mean, and, and you know.
0: I don't know about you know the rest of you guys, but we're in the middle of primary season here in uh, in Texas, and so you know every other commercial is a political ad. Can you imagine the attack ads for uh, <laughs> in the 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 Starling City uh, mayoral race? You know my opponent killed thousands of of, all, of of Starling City residents, but she wants you to forget that and calls herself a conservative. Do conservatives kill their citizens? You know and then <laughs> then it would come back and she'd be going my opponent's lying about me I didn't really kill those people I just didn't help them not get killed <laughs> <laughs> and then she'd you know make some attack on Obama <laughs> <laughs> but I will stand up against Obamacare <laughs> sure I might have killed some some starling sitting residents but I'll stand up against Obama and his ridiculous
1: health plan. <laughs> Uh, It'll be a close race, Aaron.
2: (laughs) If those residents wouldn't have been on Obamacare,
0: maybe they would have survived. That's right. Mm -hmm. If they had been able to keep the insurance they wanted, they'd still be alive. (laughs) Obamacare
1: fucking up Starling City. (laughs) I don't don't think she would say that in a commercial. So, I, I I feel like the season is building up to this big Suicide Squad versus Slade's forces, you know, showdown thing. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I think it's gonna you know they've got a lot of, they've got a lot of movies. Have pieces. you seen the
2: picture online, Paul, of the
1: Suicide Squad? Yeah, I mean, it's just the same people we've seen before standing in a
2: group. Yeah, but they actually released a picture of them all standing together. Mm -hmm.
1: I I like how Paul describes just guys standing around. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because they said, first images of the Suicide Squad release. And I'm like, but we've seen all of them, they're just now standing together. (laughs) <laughs> so, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: they're just standing around yeah, I mean, they doing something. Couldn't they be eating pudding?
1: <laughs> uh, just pudding? <laughs> this, CW, this CW episode brought to you by Just Pudding. I can't believe it's just pudding.com.
2: <laughs> well, I think the surprise for me in it was that uh, I was seeing Diggle standing there with them.
1: Yeah, um, he looks like he'll be a member of the Suicide Squad. Do we think that the, this is going to be some kind of backdoor pilot? Because it feels that way to me. I don't know. Well, I mean, it it would be interesting. It would be more interesting if they just killed them all. (laughs) I mean, given the name of it, it would be very interesting if, you know, you got to the end of the season and everyone was just dead.
0: Well, except for Captain Boomerang. (laughs) (laughs) You got to keep Captain Boomerang around.
1: Well, he'll be in the the Suicide Squad too. That's going to be in the Flash TV series. Right. Uh, hey, did the guy, you can, boomerang comes right back. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys see the uh, the first image of Grant Gustin or Gustin as the Flash? Yeah. I, I,
2: I did. I wish it was a full costume instead of just a headshot, but the the mask looks really good.
1: It does look good. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is a extremely well-done mask. It's nice that it's got the thing on the side. I've already decided that I need one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Wayne, get your wife to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: uh, I was actually thinking about asking her to crochet one, then we can uh, – the, who, uh, what other mask would we want, and then we could get a picture at
0: Fear the Con. Well, I, I think Flash. You're, uh, you already had the crocheted Batman. I um, do. Who, who else? Who else? Um, uh, Spider Man, or do we want to just keep it DC? I Center? was about to say, Aaron, are you, are you are you mixing up here? Are you mixing? Well, we, we could we could have some kind of uh, you know Avengers versus uh, Justice League crossover there.
2: I wonder if she could crochet a hood. Then you could have Green Arrow.
0: I I, I could go for that. I'm down. Yeah, not a lot of oh. hoods in the uh, the Justice League. What about the uh, Blue Beetle? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, pre pre mm-hmm. New Fifty Two Blue Beetle. The cool Blue Beetle. Yeah, right. Yeah. Ted Cord. That Ford. is a good one. Have we? You know, they keep referring to to Cord Consolidated or whatever it is in uh, uh, Arrow. Have we seen Ted Cord?
1: We have not. Okay, but we did see uh, Blue Devil the movie. Yeah. In this episode, they had a um, uh, on the side of a bus. They had like an advertisement for Blue Devil the movie. You know, I often wonder, you know, when they do those little Easter egg things, do
0: they have somebody on staff who's actually a DC Comics, you know, aficionado? Because I have a hard time believing that, that the guys in the writers' room are that familiar with, with DC Comics.
1: Yeah, they got Jeff Johns. Oh, that's right. He is he, – uh, you're right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm – but, you know, going back to The Flash, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that they have, you know, an actual mask. It's not – you know, yeah, you, no. you, you can't get around that and say, well, you know, I could see that in real life. No, it's it's a, it's a fucking superhero mask with a big yeah. lightning bolt on the side of it. Well, and I like that they
0: went with a, a darker red as opposed to, you know, that, that sort of bright red that Flash usually is in. Uh, I, I, I like that kind of darker look to it.
2: I kind of took that as a given for being on a TV show. Because if you look back at the uh, the original Flash TV show, that was a darker red than
0: the comics yeah. usually were, too. True. yeah. But that costume was always dirty. Yes, it was. They only have one. God, all the flash talk has put me in mind of watching the uh, watching the old series.
2: I uh, I, I got it as a
0: Christmas gift last year,
2: so yeah, I I may throw a few episodes in.
1: Ooh, yeah. No, it will be good having a that flash with Aaron and Polly conversation before the new series starts. Flap, flap. <laughs> I like it. Okay, but it's got to come after pudding with Aaron and Polly. Um, <laughs> then, then don't look forward to Flash and <laughs> Polly.
0: <laughs> as long as it's not putting
2: wrestling with Aaron and Polly.
0: Mm. Mm. Oh wait 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 midget putting wrestling with Aaron and Polly. I think we can all get behind that. Yeah yeah i would back in now.
1: <laughs> Again Paul keeping it classy. <laughs> well moving from our favorite DC Archer to our uh, favorite Marvel Archer. Hawkeye. How are we going to let Tim
2: know that he can come back now?
1: Well, he hasn't read any books for a little while, so we'll get to him.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tim <laughs>
0: get read. Tim just looks at the pictures.
1: So Hawkeye number fifteen came out this week, um, a couple weeks after Hawkeye sixteen was released, and it featured the return of David Aha on art um, with Matt Fraction still writing the book. And you know, this was um, kind of things coming to a head with the uh, the bros. In the, you know, Hawkeye's apartment building. And so, Aaron, did you get a chance to read it? I did. And particularly enjoyed the crossword puzzle cover. Yeah, well, I enjoyed the, the you know, the, the issue was done, you know, they incorporated a lot of the whole crossword puzzle imagery and stuff like that into the, the panel layouts and all that. Absolutely. Very well done issue. Really enjoyed it.
0: I You know, I, I love the
1: artwork, love the story. Um, you know, it's just, it's so good, you know. very, very I'm... I'm Spoilers on. You know, at the end, uh, Barney Barton has been shot full of holes and uh, Clint Barton has been stabbed in the head with an arrow. Yeah. So I'm – But,
0: you know, the good news is, you know, a a day or two in the hospital, fix that right up.
1: (laughs) Andrew right now is just (laughs) screaming (laughs) at his headphones. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, no, I dug it. And, I mean, it's – you know, there is such a a, uh, playful – style that uh, uh, David uh, aha ah, ah. Uh, uses for 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 Hawkeye but when the when everything goes south uh, at the end of the book mm-hmm. and you know there, there's the you know the, the gunshot and all that kind of fun stuff I mean it is brutal
2: yeah
1: you know uh,
0: you know you see you see Clint Barton you know cry out when he's being stabbed in the head. Uh, you know, as one does. You know, gunshots going off. I mean, it's it's all it's
1: all pretty gruesome. Mm-hmm. You know, my uh, comic shop guy and I were talking this week about. Uh, and I'm sorry, Aaron. I, I know I cheated on you and had a conversation about comics with someone else. Jeez, Lou! And
0: I hear about it in front of everybody. It's like you've got <laughs> no respect.
1: I don't. Um, but we were talking about uh, Shang Chi mm-hmm. and how much we'd love a. War- I, and you're talking about Shang-Chi with other people. <laughs> yeah, but it's not Silver Surfer. It's just Shang-Chi. Yeah. Uh, well, we were talking about how much we'd love a Warren Ellis-written, David Aha drawn Shang-Chi book. Oh, yeah. I would be all about that. But the problem is David Aha can't get a – I mean, Hawkeye 15, like we said, came out after Hawkeye 16. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why the delays – I mean, this no, – well, I mean, I could see it in this issue, and I think part of it is Matt Fraction's fault. <laughs> Because of all those goddamn crossword puzzle panels.
2: <laughs> the plus thing for you guys, then, is I bet uh, that means 17 will probably be the next one that comes out, so you won't have a, a break between, you know,
1: that but, la- this ending and that one. Because so it sounds like this ends on a cliffhanger. Well, yes and no. So issue 17 is going to be by Chris Eliopoulos. Um, and it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's, it's supposedly like a fun little animated type story. Um, issue eighteen is going to be, um, you know, a uh, what's her face, Kate Bishop Hawkeye story. So we won't get the resolution to this until Hawkeye nineteen, which you know probably a good two three months away.
3: Oh so sweet. it's going to be good Hawkeye
0: next time. So I kind of wonder how they're going to collect it. You know, are are they are we going to get all the Clint Barton stories in one collection, all the Kate Bishop stories in another
1: collection? That would you be know, how I would do it because I, I don't necessarily think that it's going to read well collected to flip back and forth.
2: Because if you well, look at that – And the, this is an interesting title when you look at it because I can't be the only one that's only buying half the book, only buying it when there's Kate Bishop's stories.
3: No, I'm doing the same thing. Well, Yeah, so people are
2: doing this. So if they separate the trades like that, it would be interesting to see which sells better.
0: Well, I just – the thing that concerns me about it is that they trade dress them. You know the, the the covers for each of the floppies all have a similar theme over the last four issues and so I'm because you know, it all it has the appearance visually that these stories are interconnected when they're really not mm-hmm. and I would one of the I, while I love Hawkeye and I enjoy Kate Bishop and I enjoy Clint Barton uh, I do dislike how we're hopping back and forth between these stories because when you're reading them with more than a month apart it it's a little hard to retain what happened last time, and so I do spend some time on each of these, you know, Clint Barton stories, going back and on. Okay, where did I leave this last time? Uh, you know that, that we talked about this because he's he does kind of play with the timing on what's happening when in the Clint Barton story.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I agree with you. Um, you know, and you know, to Wayne and Tim's point, you know, you guys are collecting just the Kate Bishop issues, but you've only really had to do that for two issues so far. You know. The, the Clint Barton thing, you know, if we're going to keep jumping back and forth, it's frustrating. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's one of the reasons I stopped collecting books that are bi-monthly or, you know, God forbid, you know, books like Razzle that came out like three times a year, right? Three, four times a year. You know, that was more quarterly because I don't – maybe it's just because I read a lot of books, but I don't remember what happened, you know, three months ago right. in, you know, in Hawkeye that they're referencing – in this issue of Hawkeye.
2: Well, yeah, it's sad for a book like Razzle because I really enjoyed it, but I don't even think about it because it comes out so rarely. I only want to get it in the trade because it comes out so rarely, which means I wouldn't be supporting the book coming out on a regular basis, so it may never make it to trade.
0: Well, and and what frustrates me is that, you know, I, I can I can retain what happened three months ago as long as I have had a story every month. Yeah, it's trying to remember when I've had you know a, a, an issue or a two issue break in the middle, trying to connect all that together. Particularly when Matt Fraction's not telling a linear story, um, mm-hmm. so you know I, I, it's one of those kind of things. I feel like it's written for the trade because I think it'll, it, you know if collected appropriately, it'll read beautifully in a trade. And it's one of those things that frustrates me that I feel like I'm financing the trade by reading the monthly book.
3: Oh. Um, yeah. I just, I just speaking from the other side of the aisle. I don't. I don't necessarily mind waiting every waiting, you know, an extra month to get the Hawkeye story that I want to read. Right. I, I guess it doesn't bother me, but because I think the key Bishops are a little more episodic. Yes. I, I'm getting the impression. So yeah,
0: uh, the Kate Bishop seems a little bit more done in one with a a through story. You know, yeah. you've got the Madam Mask thing that, that's kind of running through it. But you know, each one of them is kind of a you know a weekly episode kind of kind of deal. But the, the the Clint Barton story, as much as I'm enjoying it, is a little difficult to track when when you had you know more than a month break. I
1: agree. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Well. Marvel also released this week a new infinite comic, um, Daredevil, uh, what is it? It's Road Warrior. Which, Road Warrior. <laughs> written by Mark Waid, uh, featuring art by Peter Krauss. I think they worked together on Irredeemable or Incorruptible. Yes. Uh, one of those. Uh, irredeemable. irredeemable. And, uh, you know, this is a digital-only, infinite infinite comic that bridges the gap between the last Daredevil volume and the upcoming one. So this is, you know, basically Matt Murdock's trip across the country. And, uh, you know, it, it, which, you know, the, the book starts with uh, him and um, his lady friend. Do you remember her name? Dakota? No, it's not Dakota. It's, uh... No, it's not Dakota. I forget her name. Yeah, him and his lady friend. Um, the You know, the she used to be the, the uh, assistant DA. Yes. Um... You know, basically, and they're on a plane. Kirsten McDuffie. Yes, McDuffie. You know, they're on a plane, and I'm thinking, huh, this isn't going to be a very long story at all. Um, But, of course, the plane has to come down, and, you know, they they, they find a story there.
0: Well, and I I had assumed by the name that it was going to be a, uh, you know, hard-traveling heroes kind of thing, you know, traveling from coast to coast, you know, in a car, Route 66 kind of deal. But uh, such was not
1: the case. Well, it may still be, and I don't know how long the series is. I mean, it can't be that long. I think it's four issues. Okay, four issues. Uh, so, what'd you think?
0: I liked it. I, you know, uh, Mark Wade's got a talent for writing for the for the uh, the digital Infinite Comic thing. Um, I dug it. I thought it was very enjoyable. Um, I liked kind of the swashbuckling aspect of uh, Daredevil. I, I, I had been afraid that with uh, you know we were going to get you know, very dark and disturbed daredevil once again, but no, I mean, his whole fight in the, in the sewer, uh,
1: was a lot of fun. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, like you said, Mark Wade, he's kind of, you can't really get a better writer writer for a digital book than Mark Wade. Right. Um, you know, there, there's a scene where daredevil's looking around the plane, um, that he's in in, in his daredevil vision. Right. And it's just so well done.
0: Well, and there's that scene where he's, you know, fighting the bull guy in the sewer. And so it starts off with just pitch black because, you know, Daredevil's a blind guy and he's kind of describing his senses. And then it overlays the darkness with his radar vision, right? And then, you know, he you know, brings it forward with additional senses. And, it, I mean, it's this, like, five-panel progression of just, lay, you know, overlay, 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 you know, showing you Daredevil's world. And I just – I thought it was brilliantly done.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I will say I do think the Peter Krauss art is a little uh, – it, it, I don't want to say anything. It, it, it definitely recalls more of an eighty sensibility. You know, I like the Frank Miller, David Mazuchelli early stuff on the title. It, it reminds me a lot of that, um, and not in a bad way. I mean, you know, but when you see Daredevil in costume, it, it, it very much has a nostalgic feel to the art. I felt, um, but I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the book. I, uh, I thought it was well written. I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. I'll definitely be picking it up.
0: Now, in terms of of uh, digital quality, uh, there were a couple of panels that. Were low resolution. Yes, panels were really high resolution. But when you got to the plane scene, where you know again you're, you're in Daredevil's radar vision, the text is blurry. You know, uh, it, it's like it was a you know a, a low a low resolution graphic that they didn't scan, scan at the appropriate uh, resolution. Uh, it was and it, it comes back once he exits Daredevil vision. Uh, you know, we see it as as you know a sighted person would see it. It's all fine, but the, uh, the comic that I downloaded you know, from Comixology had some low-resolution panels. Now, I did see when I opened up you know the comic this morning uh, that there is an updated version for me to download, so they may have fixed that.
1: Uh, I hope so, because I did notice that, and that was very yeah. – I mean, it's those panels were very, very low-resolution. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I could not – I had difficulty reading the text in it. Yeah. So. It's not
0: good. It's not good.
1: Not at all. Yeah. But I mean, uh, like you said, it seems like they've already updated it, which is great. Yeah, hopefully.
0: I mean, I'll, I'll re-download it and you know let you know. But uh, those, those, those panels were the only thing that I that I disliked. And you know, um, I've always liked Peter Krauss. I thought his artwork worked really well on Irredeemable. Um, he he is not as jarring a transition from Chris Somni as I thought he would be, um, though he 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 doesn't have some of that great you know spark that Chris Somni has. But I, yeah.
1: thought, I, thought, I thought it worked well for this. But you know what? He, he did a good job with the radar sense, I yeah. think. You know, the, yeah. the, the, he, he he was effective. Yeah.
0: So, anyway, good stuff. Yeah. I, I, I recommend it. Uh, go get you some.
1: Well, and also coming out digitally, um, DC announced this week that their new MOBA, which is Multiplayer Online Battle Arena... Um, I had to look it up, so just to save you some time. Um, It's called Infinite Crisis. It's been in a closed beta for months now, and it's basically, you know, it's this online battle arena where you play as the multiverse versions of characters. So you have steampunk Batman versus vampire universe Batman and, you know, um, atomic Green Lantern versus Renaissance era, you know, Wonder Woman, that kind of thing. Um, and so they've they've had this online uh, game for a while. It's going to an open beta, which is, I mean, it's been in beta for a while. And the fact that it's going to an open beta, and we're still not looking at an official release, um, kind of surprises me. But you know, they are hyping it, uh, you know, because coming up later this year, I believe, starting in August, they are going to have waves of action figures. Wow! Uh, based on this new uh, based on this new uh, game. And they are going to start releasing a new digital first weekly or digital first uh, comic series written by Dan Abnett based on the game. That's great. I yeah. love Dan Abnett's stuff. I do too. And you know, I mean, they, uh, and Wayne I think read the whole thing. The DC Universe Multiplayer Online.
2: Yeah, the uh, I am really liking some of these tie-in comic books to video games. Like, I probably won't play this game at all, but I just based on that and the uh, the more recent Injustice comic books,
1: I'm going to give this a shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the designs of some of the characters. I'm very curious about the game. Now, the open beta starts on March 14th, um, for those who are curious about that. And just check it out at InfiniteCrisis.com. Um, PC only. Oh. But, yeah, exactly. That's why I haven't played it yet. Yeah, that's that, that'll keep me out of it. But I will definitely check out this comic book.
2: It's, well, since it's online, it may not end up being PC only. It just may be, I mean, they're saying PC only, but it's probably a Flash game, so you iPad people will be out. But I wonder if it'll work on Android.
1: That's possible. Well, and, you know, with those new Steam machines coming out, um, you know, they're releasing new kind of console versions of the Steam machines. I wonder if that would have the capability of running something like this. I don't know. Paul. Yes, sir. I just re-downloaded the Daredevil comic. They didn't fix those pages. Oh, really? Yeah, they're still just as shitty as they were. Well, that's a shame. Yeah, it is. But, you know, so Infinite Crisis, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed what they did with Injustice, uh, Wayne-like DC Universe Online. Um, so they, they seem to have a good grasp of the tie-ins in regards to their products. So looking forward to it. And on the other side of the house, Marvel had a couple of big announcements this week relating to Rocket Raccoon. Rocket Raccoon! You know, Dan Abnett, the writer of the Infinite Crisis comic book, (laughs) is also going to be writing um, a new Rocket Raccoon and Groot prose novel.
0: Yeah. You know what? what I I, I thought of Wayne because Wayne's my audiobook buddy. Uh And I was like, ooh, they got to do an audiobook for this. You know, oh yeah, I got to do an audiobook for this, and, and I'm down. Well, you know what would be awesome? <laughs> I, I Considering remember. it comes out around the same time as the movie, why not have Bradley Cooper read that?
1: Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel, yeah,
0: yeah, that, no, that would be I, great. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that's exactly what they do.
1: Uh, that, that would be a great idea, and it would bring people into that, you know, pick, to pick that up that wouldn't normally. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'll uh, I'll pre-order the audiobook for this one because I want to hear it.
1: Well, you know, so I mean, that's great news. I mean, Dan Ablett has m- many novels under his belt. Yeah, um, you know, he's a great writer. You know, when, he had, when we had him on the show, he talked about the uh, the prose work that he had done with Warhammer.
0: Yeah, the 40k
1: universe. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I mean, he's got a he's got a huge following on the
1: 40k side. Well, certainly so. You know, I mean, it's, he he wrote the movie. He's written multiple tie-ins and comics and things like that. So yeah, and on top of that, he's a great writer. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and with Rocket Raccoon not only having his prose novel, he is also getting a new ongoing series starting this July, you know, just before the movie comes out, written and drawn by superstar artist Scotty Young. Well, I was very excited
0: until I saw the preview pages. Is
1: Same here. I
2: I'm, Superstar I'm,
1: artist, my ass. No, well, he is. I mean, the guy has probably sold more copies of books than – than a good number of artists out there. He's the regular artist on Marvel's Wizard of Oz books.
0: Yeah, Don't get me wrong. Scotty Young is very talented. I just don't care for the way he draws Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, I could see that art style for a Wizard of Oz thing.
2: And then, yeah, I'm being a little harsh on the guy because, I mean, I think he could do a great kids' book, but I, I don't want to see him on a, anything other than kids' books because
1: that style doesn't fit. Well, and here's the thing. It doesn't fit what our preconceptions are regarding Rocket Raccoon, but there is a PG thirteen movie coming out with a whole bunch of action figures related to it. If you, if you, I mean, this comic comes out the month before you know the the movie comes out. If you want to sell this comic book, you got to appeal to everyone. And I, and you know,
0: I, I think I that's what they're trying to do. I don't disagree with you, Paul, but I would like Rocket Raccoon to actually you know look like a raccoon. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's got he's got a little button nose in the pages that that, that have been previewed that Scotty Young drew. And that's my objection to it, is he, he looks nothing like a raccoon. Yeah,
2: he looks nothing like the rocket raccoon in the movie. Yeah. So if they're trying to appeal to a larger audience based on the movie, make him look like the movie.
0: Yeah. Now, then, I, I did see some art this week, uh, some rocket raccoon art drawn by another artist, and I was like, oh, fuck, I would buy that book. I'd buy the
1: ass out of that book. And uh, it was Jake Parker. I was about to say, was it Jake Parker? It was, and it was gorgeous. Yeah. If you don't follow Jake Parker on Instagram or Twitter, or check out his blog at, I believe it's, um, some, it's just putting. It's I can't believe
0: it's just putting I believe.
1: <laughs> I am I, I, sure it's not. <laughs> it's it's Mister Jake um, is his website. Uh, he is one of my favorite artists. You know, I I follow him because
0: he draws such amazing spaceships and mm-hmm. technology. I just I love the way he draws that stuff. But he did a because he was he was taken by the trailer. He
1: drew a rocket raccoon this week, and I'm like, God, I got to get me some Jake Parker original art. Yeah. Oh yeah, same here. I mean, I, and you know, if you. Look at like you said some of his work in regards to spaceships. Anything he draws, any goddamn thing and he draws is beautiful.
0: And you may remember uh, a while back we did an interview with Jake Parker. He's the guy who did Missile Mouse, mm-hmm. uh, which fantastic book. Love the character, love the artwork. Um, you know, I just just kind of a big fan.
1: Yeah. Well, he's going to be doing that. Um, the new space skull. Uh, yeah, that's his next uh, comic book. And you yeah. know, it's about a, a like a ghost writer looking character in space, and it just looks awesome. Yeah, you know, but everything it,
0: he does looks awesome. I mean, he 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 could draw a cereal box, and it would look awesome.
1: That's true. I mean, I did pick up his uh, his recent sketchbook. It's called Drawings. I have contributed to the Kickstarter, right? And I love it. It's it's a very inspirational book because, you know, Jake Parker. One of the things he does sometimes is you know he'll draw you a motorcycle. And then you look at the page next to it, and it's the motorcycle deconstructed. And you can see how much effort he puts into making sure every single nook and cranny yeah. and piece is in it. You know, it looks like a technical drawing.
0: Well, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about him is that, you know, drawing technology, you know, spaceships, motorcycles, vehicles, any of that kind of stuff is a real talent and skill that, you know, a lot of artists don't have. Mm -hmm. And uh, he really excels in that. I mean, I'd love to see him draw the Starship Enterprise.
1: Oh, yeah. I've not seen him do that yet, but I would love to. Yeah. Maybe that's a commission. The Starship Enterprise smoking a cigar. (laughs) (laughs) Or it could be the Starship Aegean, Aaron. Ooh, even better. Well, you know what? I, I, I had this later on in the conversation, but let's talk about it now. What would you consider a reasonable commission rate? For example, the Starship Enterprise written by Jake Parker or drawn by Jake Parker.
3: I got this air five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hard
0: to say. I mean, it depends on the artist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the art. You, you, what you're buying from the artist beyond their talent and skill, uh, you're also buying their time. Because you know, if they're if they've got a full book of, of projects, you know, that time becomes a more uh, a, a more valued commodity. So I think it just depends. I mean, you know, uh, if I was say for instance requesting a commission from Tim, who's got nothing but time, uh, you know, it might be five dollars. <laughs> but if I if I did it with you know somebody who's a little bit more busy, say Greg Capullo, that's probably going to be six fifty. You know,
1: <laughs> six fifty. So you would say six fifty. Oh No, I'm sorry. You, you meant $6.50. <laughs> I, I did, I, but I kid. I would expect, you know,
0: I, I think, let's, let's cite a, reason, a, reason, a recent example. When you and I were at uh, Sci-Fi Expo, mm-hmm. Cully Hamner, uh, what were those, 11 by 17s that right. he was doing? Uh, 11 by 17s, uh, head and shoulders, 75 bucks. I think that was a steal. Yes, I, I do. I think that was a steal. I think that he easily could have sold those for two hundred dollars, easily. Now he would have been out of my price range. I wouldn't have paid. I, even though I, I I think it's worth it. Uh, I didn't have two hundred dollars to spend, two hundred dollars cash to spend on art that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was right in my comfort zone of me spending seventy five bucks. Um, but you know, I, I can see you know if you're if you're asking for pen and inks, I could see you know somebody like a George. Perez, uh, I could easily see $500. Okay.
1: okay. Um, so I'm going to throw a question out to all three of you, and I would love to hear an answer. Mm-hmm. If you were to want a drawn character, what would you expect to pay for it? Uh, Aaron? I, I, I can't answer because I already know the answer.
2: Ah, all right, okay. Wayne? Uh, I would expect it to be out of my price range because I can't see myself paying more than 45 or 50 for a uh, a uh, you know a commission, which means I don't buy commissions,
3: <laughs> Tim. You know I'm trying to see which what art he's he's done just to make sure that I'm thinking of the same person. Um, if I if I was in that mood, I would probably I would probably tap out at about seventy five bucks.
1: Okay. Well, I mean that's that's probably lower than I would have. That's probably lower than I would go. I mean, I mean, I would have probably expected a couple hundred dollars. Um, and this is no—I'm not trying to fault the guy because I, I am—I am a fan of his. I follow him on Twitter. You know, the fact that he even offers commissions is you know a, a great thing. But his minimum minimum commission price is fifteen hundred dollars, and when I found that out, I was actually offended as a fan huh. um, because. I, and, and please, please, because I know we have some people in the business who, who do listen to this podcast. I would love to know if anyone gets a $1,500 page rate um, for, their, for their work in comics.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things where I, uh, I'm i always torn when it comes to like, commission and buying art because, yes, it's worth that for their time and things like that, not the 1500 necessarily, but it's worth the amount people charge for their time and such. But I'm buying a picture, and I have a hard time paying that much for something I'm going to frame and put up on my wall. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's just me, I know. But
1: yeah, I mean, because I look at it as art, you know, and I I, I, yeah. I will pay for good art. And I'm not saying that it's not worth it, but I am no, saying my, my
2: problem is my mindset is that. I look at it as what I'm getting in the end. When in reality, what I'm getting is the time, the talent, and the finished product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And But when I look at it at the end, what I have is the finished product. And that's why I have such a hard time paying for for art at conventions is because I see it as this is what I'm getting back, which is something I'm going to frame and put on my wall. I don't – I have a hard time seeing it as this is the time that went into it and the skill and the talent and all of that.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Were you gonna say something, Tim? I was just gonna say I'm, I I kind of fall along the lines of Wayne as far as that goes. It's not it's not something I do. Right. I've had I've had a couple commissioned like at cons where I wanted a picture of my character or whatever, and right. it, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of you know fifty bucks or something like that, right. and you know that that was reasonable, and I I was happy with the product. I can't see myself spending a whole bunch of money doing that. I guess that's just not me. Well, I I, I am I love original art.
0: I just I'm I'm a fan of it. You know, there's a reason why I own so much uh, original art from like Jake Geekus. And you know, I've got I've got framed. I've got two pieces of his framed. I've got a Beta Ray Bill he did for me at the office, and I've got uh, my uh, Storm having a cigar here in my man cave. I love original art. you have not commissioned, a ricochet, having guess, a cigar for your cave yet? That's coming, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm on that. Uh, but, you know, I, I, my Cully Hamner piece is, you know, at the frame shop right now. Um, I, I, I I love original art. My, my my issue with original art is just me being able to afford it. So the fact that Cully was uh, – notice I talking about first name basis <laughs> – uh, uh, the thing that I I loved about Cully is that number one he was so affordable, and number two he I mean he put so much juice on the the piece that he did for me and the piece that he did for Paul. Clearly, uh, he was giving us a value. Um, you know, I, I I'm kind of with you, Paul. I, you know, I, I'd be curious to know what uh, you know a given artist's page rate is. Um, I mean, because you know, I find
1: but, it hard to believe on a 20-page book, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Aaron. Sure,
0: but um, keep in mind, on when he's doing, when he's doing a, a page rate for Marvel, he gets to sell that twice. Mm-hmm. He gets to sell it to Marvel to make a comic book, and then he gets
1: to sell the original page
0: back to a fan.
1: Well, and if you tell me that he makes $30,000 per comic book that he draws, mm-hmm. I find that very hard to believe. I find it very hard to believe that any comic artist makes $30,000 on one issue of, of work. Um, unless you're Jim Lee, no one, uh, I, again, I, I would, l- please, feed, you know, I want to be proven wrong on this, but I have not heard of anyone who has, who gets $1,500 a page for comics, and, you know, this is basically a splash page, and, you know, and, and, and again, minimum 1500 so I'm assuming this is probably just a pencil and ink figure, not a pencil and ink figure on a background, Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming the more elaborate the background, you know, the, the more they charge, but... I I, I find it hard to believe that that comic artists make that much per issue.
3: I think he's doing two things, Paul. I I think he's trying to price out a lot of people because he doesn't have time. Yeah. And I think that he's, you know, trying to see what I, I would guess he's trying to see what kind of interest that price point brings.
1: Yeah, he yeah. maybe just somebody who didn't want to do a whole
0: lot of commissions.
1: Yeah, and which I mean, and, and then don't open it, or you know, just open it, and as soon as you get your first five, close it off. I mean, again, I'm not trying to fault the guy. I think he is, you know, he he seems like he's very nice. He seems like, you know, he he's he's hilarious. I mean, I, I love his Twitter feed. I love his art. Um, you know, and it's not just him that I'm, I'm, I'm asking. I'm, I'm genuinely asking, is $1,500 a reasonable commission rate for a, you know, and I mean, the guy has a comic in the top ten. You know, is that a reasonable rate for a comic artist? Because i I, I got to be honest, the max, the max I would pay is probably $500.
2: Well, I, looking around online, what I'm seeing is uh, it seems to top out, like elite illustrators get up to $1,000 a page on a 22-page comic book. That's the high-end for the work actually in the comic book itself.
0: I, that can't be right. $1,000 a page on a 22-page comic, that's... Yeah,
2: the, so that's the extreme yeah. high-end. Generally, it's 100 to 300 per page. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that sounds a lot more like what I expected. I mean, I expected probably in the three dollars to $500 range, you know, because, I mean... I don't anticipate these comic guys based on what we've heard. I mean, none of them are making money hand over fist. Right. Um, you know, and so that's why they sell their original art. That's why they do commissions. That's why they go to cons and do that kind of stuff? Um, so, you know, I don't imagine many of them are making $1,500 again, unless you're a Jim Lee and you can command that rate. I don't know. It was just, a, it was a curiosity for me. Um, you know, again, for, forgive me for, for, cause I'm not trying to badmouth mouth you. Um, but, I, I, am certainly not going to pay fifteen hundred dollars. Well, and I, I just
0: to, to reiterate, I, I think that that's the point. <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, I think that he is pricing himself to a certain level of people who are really serious, uh, and it, it's it's a certain level of work that he's going to put in on the page. Uh, you know, so you're not your guy for what you're
1: asking for. Uh,
0: well, I mean that's a good point.
1: I mean I, I could you know I, I'm not, again the fault could be in me in you know my my cheapness I guess. Well,
0: well, it's just you know he's he's if he's going to do a commission, I think he is
1: he is looking to
0: it's, it's enough trouble for him that he wants to charge a certain rate for it to accommodate it into his time. That's a, that's how because you know he's not he's probably not factoring that off on okay well that, that that'll just be comic book work i don't do that day you're cutting into his private time you're cutting into time that he might be spending with his family and that's a, a certain value for him plus there's the the additional heartache of dealing with somebody potentially who doesn't know how to order art
1: <laughs> no know? i mean i get it you know as a you know i've, I've done some freelance web design work uh yeah. for years now and i will tell you there. Fact of the matter is that I won't get. I, I mean, I, I say this to people. I won't get out of bed for less than a thousand bucks. Yeah. Um, and you know that, but that's you know. So if you want a small site, you know, if you just want one page, go to someone else. But I'm not your guy. You know, I value my free time more than that. And maybe that's what he's saying too. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, as somebody who used to be a freelance artist. Um, I, <laughs> working with people was the worst part of that job oh agreed absolutely <laughs> you know because people don't know what they want until they see it they don't want to pay for 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 the uh, design they don't want to pay for the drafts you know the, the different uh that you provide they don't want to pay for that they just want to pay for the finished product
2: so Aaron, you were a freelance artist
0: yes back in the i day. did not know that yeah
2: so, so much how for much uh, for a commission of uh scarlet spider from you
0: I don't do that anymore. $1,500. $1,500. For you, Wayne, I'll make you a deal. (laughs) $1,500. How about $5? I'll send you an email. (laughs) I'll
1: send you seven emails, Wayne. (laughs) That's right. Over a month. (laughs) This is a good conversation. Um, My dad's birthday is coming up, and I've emailed Mark Lamming, the artist of King's Watch, Yeah. Because my dad's favorite superhero is the Phantom. Oh, yeah. But, you know, my dad's turning 60-fuck. I don't know. Um, I'm a good son. He's turning 65. How many candles is (laughs) 60-fuck? He's turning 65. And, you know, at 65, what do you get people at that point? You know, I mean, at that point, you're either getting them Home Depot gift cards, (laughs) you know, or, or movie gift certificates. You know, And I want to do something out of the norm. I would love to get him. I would love to commission a drawing of the Phantom.
0: I think it's a great idea. And, you know, if the if the uh, Phantom commission doesn't work out for you, a gift card to Just Pudding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I, it's not a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> who do I need to check out to, Aaron? No, no, no. A,
2: a make stock it. option for Just Pudding.
1: <laughs> a chance
2: to help launch the first Just
1: Pudding. Uh, that's right. So heading back to comics, Tim and I read a couple books together this week. And I want to start with the first one because, you know, Tim – you bit the bullet with me on this one, and I want to know what you thought of Tomb Raider number 1 from Dark Horse Comics, written by Gail Simone, with art by Nicholas Danielle Selma.
3: All right, so just a little background. Paul. Usually when we have a conversation about what we're going to be getting next week, Paul is usually the guy that will jump on the grenade and like, I'll get that for you because, you know, it'll make good conversation. And so I sort of owed I sort of owed Paul for Longshot a few months ago, so I was oh, yeah. paying it for because it, it didn't seem like anybody was going to get Tomb Raider for with Paul. I, I gotta say, Paul, I, I'm I i did not like it. Yeah. I, there's, there's I have a couple of different reasons, but my overall impression was I felt out of the loop.
1: Yeah, this very much takes place after the events of the recent Tomb Raider video game, and it doesn't really summarize them for you. (laughs) Um, So if you haven't not only played the game but completed the game, you're going to be kind of lost, and I'm kind of surprised they they went that way with it. Um, So, you know, Tim, I'd imagine you haven't really played that game. No. So you would be lost, and I I didn't realize that that was – I knew this was taking place in that universe, but I kind of figured – you know, it would be it would be after, they may reference it, but they would still have its own story. But no, this is very much tied into the events of that video game.
3: Yeah, and again Gail someone kinda of touched on that. She played that video game, she liked the relaunch, and she was excited to work with that Laura Croft.
1: Yeah. I mean it's and now as someone who has played and finished the game, there was probably more for me in the book, but even then I didn't love it. Um I thought it was an okay book. You know, one of the things my comic shop guy and I were talking about the other day was, you know, Gail Simone's output hasn't been stellar for quite a while now. Um, and I don't know if there's a particular reason for that. Maybe she's just not doing passion projects anymore or something.
2: I would say the output hasn't been consistent is a good way to put it. Yeah, that's she's probably been better.
1: a real hit or miss. So.
3: There's, there's very little dialogue. There's very, There's not a whole lot to read. I was about to say, there's very little everything.
1: I mean, you know, it, it, there's two scenes, essentially, um, and, and, and one of them's a dream sequence. I mean, it's it, there's really not much to the book, and so I, I, I really can't recommend it as a fan, which is a shame, because I was really looking forward to it. I didn't hate it, so I mean, I'm not, you know, you're not going to beat yourself up if you pick it up, but it's certainly not, it's not the book I was hoping it was, and you know, the, the Tomb Raider video game, which was not written by Gail Simone, um, had a much stronger storyline, and I, I I loved the hell out of that game.
3: See, I heard bad things about that game, too. Oh, I loved it. I heard it was, how bad can we beat Lara Croft's ass now? Well, I mean, that's like essentially every... what it was,
1: but it's a survival game. I mean, she is surviving, she is a lone woman surviving on an island, and so that's basically the way the story worked.
3: I don't know. I don't want, I, I guess, I don't want my Tomb Raider to be Bruce Willis diehard-esque. <laughs> you know, I get, I get, I haven't played it, but that's, that's the impression I got from the people that uh, I listen to on podcasts talk about video games, it's like, yeah, it's Bruce Willis, Laura Croft. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right.
1: I, I don't disagree with that assessment. It really, it essentially is. Um, but for me, that worked because I, I I wasn't married to the original Laura Croft idea. Um, in fact, I never really liked the original Tomb Raider games, nor did I enjoy the movies. Um, but I liked the idea, and I liked that they went a little more uncharted with it. Um, so I enjoyed the Tomb Raider game.
3: Now, just taking, taking the story away, what did you, how did you feel about the art? Did you have any strong preference either way? I don't feel
1: like there's enough here for me to really. I mean, there, there, it, like I said, there was a dream sequence, and there was like a conversation, and then there was the tidal wave, but nothing impressed me. It wasn't bad. It, it certainly, I didn't think the artwork was bad. Um, no one was ugly or weird looking, but it, it wasn't exciting.
3: Yeah, I, I guess I, I don't know. I, I guess between being lost and just not knocked out of the park by the art, I, I can't recommend it.
1: Yeah, it's not an exciting book, and uh, I appreciate you giving it a chance with me, Tim. I owe you one. Yes, you do. <laughs> so we also read Superior Spider-Man number twenty-eight from Marvel. Um, you know, the second part of Goblin Nation. Um, you know, written by Dan Slott, art by uh, Giuseppe Canugli. And, uh, you know, what'd you think of this one, Tim?
3: So, um, I, I, a couple points that I had on this guy is that the, the Peter hiding himself in, in Dr. Octavius' memories is leading somewhere interesting. I think, I, think he, I, I think he's in danger of losing himself. And I, I think that's a cool idea.
1: Yeah, I just don't know if they're gonna, you know, or if it, I don't know if they're gonna follow through with that, or if it's gonna be resolved before we get to Amazing Spider Man number one. Anyway,
0: it sure feels like they're, you know, we've had the Doctor Octopus merged with Peter Parker, and now it, it kind of feels like maybe the new Peter Parker is going to be Peter Parker merged with Doctor Octopus, where he's influenced by the memories that he's reliving by Doc Ock. Which it could be know. interesting. It could be interesting, though. I'm still convinced. That Anna Marie dies. I think we're going to get a replay of uh, Gwen Stacy, but
3: this for Dr. Oh. Octopus. Hey, hey, Aaron. Sir. I'm going to try to save her, but he's going to come up short. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's <is> wrong. <laughs> so, one other thing I, I noted on this. Does anybody else notice that Monster is in, like, the sex pre- pretzel position, like, twice on this one? <laughs> well, and I, uh, well, I, uh, I, I love like, the arguments issue. Of course you would, because right. you, you get sex pretzel, pretzel twice.
2: Well, and Mary Jane actually looks better than she has in a long time on the page. No, I love the art in the issue, and it's uh, it's mostly because Raymond didn't do the art this issue.
0: Well, and I, I love the uh, preview cover for next issue. Yeah. We get to see a little Spider-Man yes. 2099 there. We, I'm excited
2: to see him come into the storyline, because they've brought him back, they set him up, but they haven't done anything with him yet, so...
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean... Um, it, go ahead. But it looks like Carly's not all bad. Yeah, which we had suspected, even though, you know, I mean, she she did seem like she was slicing up dudes pretty good, so... But I am looking forward to that flashback where they
0: uh, take the acetylene torch to burn off her Spider-Man tattoo. That's Any so issue fair. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming.
3: I've really liked the last couple issues, which is the start of this uh, this storyline, so I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, well, we'll
1: see how the next couple of issues go. We only have uh, two more issues, right? Twenty-nine and thirty, or does it end with issue thirty-one? Makes me sad. I'm not sure. I I, uh, I did cheer
2: when Mary Jane used the web sli- web uh, shooters, though. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. cool.
1: It was a well, game.
0: and I, I love
2: web shooters. Be a major part of the storyline in a while because Doc Ock has so many other cool toys.
0: Well, and I love that Mary Jane's like you know. She knows what the Goblin's up to. She understands the game. She's, you know, corralling all
1: of Peter Parker's loved ones, but she forgot about Anna Marie. No, because she doesn't give a shit. Well,
0: and she, I don't think she knows Anna Marie.
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I, it, it's funny that, you know, a new boyfriend was already chilling there on the couch. Like, wow, she was fast. <laughs> well... Um, Anna
2: Marie just came up a little short when she remembered all of Peter's uh, associates. Hey,
0: okay, you can't repeat the joke. You kill it when you repeat the joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to resend to you the funny books, comedy guidelines. Please be sure and review those and be prepared for next week.
3: Can you edit Wayne out of that? <laughs> yeah, we
0: can do that. So, uh, like Aaron edits. Oh, but you see, I'm not editing these. Paul's editing
3: these. Yeah. Oh, good deal, Paul.
0: (laughs) I don't think Paul will
2: do much editing either. And the surest way to make sure something makes a podcast is to say, can
0: you edit that out? Because Paul. that always makes any podcast, Paul. If you edit that out, please. I'll do,
1: I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, what's coming out next week? Well, you know, I want to talk about something that I received this week. Um, ah. Well, I mean, I'm not, not going to go into a full-blown thing, but I don't. That, did any of you guys kick in on the In the Dark graphic novel Kickstarter? I did not. I don't even know what that is.
2: So yeah, it is.
1: Here. It is a. Um, it is a horror anthology edited by Rachel Deering. And um, it features stories by uh, guys like Scott Snyder, um, let's see, Steve Niles, Justin Jordan, Cullen Bunn, Paul Tobin, Dwayne Sforzinski, Tom Taylor, F. Paul Wilson, Tim Seeley, Marguerite Bennett, Matthew Dow Smith, James Tinian IV, and, you know, plenty more. Um, Declan Shalvey is one of the artists. I mean, it, it's got, you know, superstar artists, superstar writers. And, uh, you know, it, they, they sent out digital copies to their backers this week, and um, I started reading it last night, and it is an awesome, awesome graphic novel. I think IDW is releasing it in stores this week, and maybe we'll talk more about it. Maybe, you know, one of you guys will read it with me this week Um because I'd love to chat more about the, the stories in it. Because, I mean, it, it, not only is it a horror anthology, but, you know, it's been a while since we've talked about a horror comic on the podcast because we don't really read a lot of them. Um, but it was a $30,000 goal, and they achieved, achieved $75,000 on wow. that goal. So successful Kickstarter, uh, successfully funded on Halloween last year. And, uh, you know, the fact that I'm, I'm getting a you know, pretty quick turnaround time, you know, only four months later I'm getting the uh, my digital copy. I'm pretty happy with that. So, and speaking of horror, next week, Afterlife with Archie number four comes out. Woo! Um, now, from Image Comics, there is a new Mark Miller book called Starlight, um, written by Mark Miller, art by Gorlin Parlov, which is basically like if you took The Dark Knight Returns and applied it to Flash Gordon, um, is the premise. That, you know, he this is a, a man, or more like John Carter. This is a man who, you know, was you know, teleported to a, you know, a strange planet, Years ago, when he was a young man, and now that he's a, an older gentleman, um, it happens again, and it's kind of like, you know, his last hurrah. And, uh, you know, from Mark Miller comes out from Image Comics. Anyone want to read that one with me? Crickets. Please? please?
3: <laughs>
1: Aaron, you can read it with me. Oh, damn it. <laughs> uh, Velvet, number four, also from Image Comics. The Brew Baker book. I'm in it. I'm, I, I love Velvet. Um, also from Image Comics and a rather big deal and one I will definitely be picking up is Fatal Deluxe Edition Volume One hardcover. Um, this is the Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips Cthulhu Noir book. Yeah. Um, they've been releasing them in soft covers. Pretty you know like as soon as the fifth issue comes out, they will release. Every fifth issue comes out, they release a the soft cover. Well, this is a hardcover edition of the first ten issues. Includes behind the scenes art and stories, sketches and layouts, back page illustrations, and includes the um, Jess Nevins historical essays. Ooh, nice! Um, that the previous yep. soft covers, or nor the digital copies, contain. Yeah, I um, love those Jess Nevins uh, essays. And it's a forty dollar cover price, um, so you know, pretty reasonable wow. price. Twenty eight oh eight on Amazon. Well, there you go, and I will definitely be picking that up. Mm. So from Marvel Comics we get um, new issues of Loki, Agent of Asgard. I, I never, I still haven't read the first issue. Did anyone read that one? No, I bought it, but I haven't read it yet. Um, we also get a new issue of New Warriors already next week. Um, oh, sorry. We get new number ones for Magneto. Um, we get the new Moon Knight number one from Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey, and I will definitely be picking that one up. Um, you know, we get Nova. Uh, you know, which is the second start of the Beta Ray Bill storyline, or second issue of the Beta Ray Bill storyline. We get She-Hulk, number two. We all enjoyed that first issue, so looking forward to the second issue there. Um, we get the new uh, volume of Wolverine and the X-Men coming out next week. Um, now, considering the last volume just ended this week, I wish they had given it a little more time before they started volume two, but that does start this week. From DC Comics, we get Action Comics, number 29, continuing the Greg, Pack, and Aaron Cooter run on the title. We get Batman Superman Annual Number One, which is, you know, we haven't been really positive about Batman Superman, um, but this is uh, written by Greg Pak, art by Jay Lee, and it is the first meeting of Supergirl and the Red Hood Steel. um, So, could be interesting. I I might flip through it and see what I think of it. Um, Gothopia continues in Detective Comics Number 29. Actually, Gothopia concludes, maybe? Yeah, Gothopia concludes in Detective Comics Number 29. So uh, that storyline's ending. We get Earth 2 continuing in issue number 21. Forever Evil number 6 comes out featuring the final fate of Nightwing, is how they're advertising it. Poor Nightwing. So we'll see they what make happens me there. me nervous. So, you know, definitely a big week next week. Um, plenty of good books to talk about. Well, hopefully plenty of good books to talk about.
3: I need a nap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, before we wrap up, I do want to remind everyone that the um, Ideology of Madness forums are out there and you know, come and chat with us on uh, ideologyofmadness.com and click the Spooky Outhouse Forum link up top and come chat with us. And we still have a uh, open Batman contest, don't we, Paul? Yes, we do. Uh, 972-763-5903. Give us a call. Give us some suggestions or feedback on our first episode with Batman with Aaron and Paulie. Our second episode is due out in the next two, three weeks. Um, and, you know, if you win, your voicemail will be featured on the show, and you'll be winning a volume um, three hardcover of Batman Death of the Family. Very exciting. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, guys, I'm going to go register. I can't believe it's just justpudding.com. And, uh, Paul, I'll be looking forward to receiving that check for your dad's gift, gift certificate. All right, I'll get right on that. <laughs> Y'all have a good week. Catch you later. Bye, right, everybody.